Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Life on Word. Today we're going to continue going through Matthew chapter 21. In the last episode, we read of Jesus arriving outside of Jerusalem with his disciples and then entering into Jerusalem on a donkey as the people recognized him as the Messiah. We talked about how the people would soon realize that Jesus did not come to Jerusalem to do what they expected. Today we'll pick up in verse 12 and we'll read the account of Jesus going into the temple and pronouncing judgment over what he finds there. We will see how Jesus curses the fig tree and come to understand what he meant by this. With that, I'll get started. I'll read the passage first, and then we will break it down. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So we stopped in the last episode just after Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. Before we get into what Jesus does in the temple when he gets there, we need to talk about how Holy Week played out chronologically. Recall in the last episode how I said that the four gospel writers all were telling the same story of Jesus' life, but they each have unique perspectives. This comes into play during Holy Week because Matthew didn't include everything that the other gospel writers included, and vice versa. Looking at all four gospels, we can get a pretty clear picture of how all the events of Holy Week played out chronologically. 
After Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Sunday, he went to the temple and surveyed what was going on there. He then went back to the town of Bethany with the twelve disciples later that day and spent the night. On Monday morning, Jesus goes back into Jerusalem. On his way, he passes the fig tree that we will discuss later in this episode. He then proceeds to the temple, which is where Matthew here picks up with what Jesus does once he arrives. In just one verse, Matthew states that Jesus went into the temple and drove out all who were buying, selling, and money changing. Some context is incredibly important here so you understand what was normal and permissible in the temple and what was not. You see, Jesus had gone to the area of the temple where the market is. The market was where people from outside Jerusalem could exchange whatever currency they had for temple currency. They could then pay their required temple tax. Remember, talking about this yearly tax in a previous episode? They could pay their required temple tax and purchase animals and other things to use as their sacrifices. So the market in and of itself wasn't necessarily an evil thing. It made sense for the market to be there if the people were going to get the resources they needed to sacrifice and worship God. But where the issue no longer is neutral and becomes a bad thing is that those who were money changing and selling had turned this venture into a way to take advantage of others. They could collect extra money as a supposed tax that would then also go to the temple. The people were vulnerable to this because they needed the right currency and resources to be able to properly make their sacrifices and pay taxes to the temple. Now you may be wondering why the temple authorities allowed Jesus to come into the temple and cause this scene, casting the buyers, sellers, and money changers out. But remember, up until this point, Jesus has been recognized by some as a prophet and by others as the Messiah himself. He was quite popular during the triumphal entry. A prophet was known throughout Israel's history as one who would do things as a pronouncement of judgment. An example of this is Jeremiah, where he was smashing the clay pots in Jeremiah 19. So the religious leaders recognized the popularity that Jesus currently had with the people and their claims that he was a prophet and or the Messiah. They were likely fearful of doing anything to him at this point due to how the people would react if they did. So as Jesus cleanses the temple, he states, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. He is pronouncing judgment on the temple authorities for how they were misusing the temple to take advantage of vulnerable people who come to worship God. He compares the religious leaders to robbers. They are gaining wealth they do not rightfully deserve and are likely planning future illegal activities. In Mark's synoptic account of this scene, he records that Jesus said that the temple was to be a house of prayer for all nations. You can find this in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. Though Matthew only records Jesus as saying that the temple is to be a house of prayer, the point is obvious. The outer court, the area where the market was that Jesus had just overturned, was the area where Gentiles were allowed. This was the one place in the temple set aside for Gentiles to come and worship the one true God. So the religious leaders are not only ripping people off when they come to buy their sacrifices, but they're also making it impossible for the Gentiles to come and be blessed by God. So it is important to see here the significance of what Jesus is doing. 
Yes, he is cleansing the temple in the sense of throwing out the corrupt practices that were going on and aiming to restore the temple to proper worship as God intended. This was a major expectation of the Messiah that the Jews had. He would come and make things right in the temple so that the people would worship purely. But this isn't the only thing significant about what Jesus did. Perhaps more important is the fact that Jesus' actions are a judgment against the religious leaders and a statement of his authority over the temple sacrifices. When Jesus is crucified, he will be the last necessary sacrifice. The way the temple operates will no longer be relevant as God will tear the veil at Jesus' death. In verse 14, Matthew records that the blind and lame were coming to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. This is something that only Matthew has recorded. And once again, context helps us understand the weight of this passage. At this time, the blind and the lame did not have full access to the temple. This comes from the law found in Leviticus 21 verses 18 and 19, which did not allow priests with any sort of physical blemish to enter the holy place and offer sacrifices. This was to symbolize the purity that God required. God himself is altogether holy and pure, so his temple was to reflect that. But when Jesus sees that those afflicted desire to worship God in the temple, he makes a way for them. He shows that he is greater than the temple and has authority over it, and the people who had been kept out are now being welcomed in. As a result of seeing Jesus' healing power, there were children in the temple who began to shout, Hosanna to the Son of David! They were repeating what they had heard the day before during Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Not surprisingly, the religious leaders were indignant when they heard the children offering praise to Jesus. They see that Jesus is a threat to their power and the way they have been doing things. The religious leaders asked Jesus if he heard what the children were saying. It seems as if they wanted him to quiet the children or say that he was undeserving of such claims. Yet, we see that he does the opposite. He states, Yes, have you never read, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? He is referencing Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, which is a psalm about how majestic God is. Can you imagine the shock the religious leaders must have experienced when they realized that Jesus is here basically equating himself with God? The children likely do not recognize the fullness of Jesus' identity, but Jesus here rebukes the religious leaders for not being willing to see the biblical witness attesting to who he is. With that, Jesus leaves the religious leaders behind, leaving the temple and going back to Bethany. We will read of him going back to the temple and debating with the religious leaders, but for now he goes back to Bethany for the night, likely to the house of Lazarus. So, picking up in verse 18, we come to the account of Jesus cursing the fig tree. Remember that I said in the beginning of this episode that the cursing of the fig tree likely happened before Jesus went and cleansed the temple. We can know this by looking at the other Gospels and then can see that Matthew has linked these two accounts together topically rather than chronologically. If we look at Mark's gospel, it appears that Jesus cursed the tree on Monday morning as he was going to the temple to throw out the buyers, sellers, and money changers. But it wasn't until the next morning, when Jesus and the disciples were coming back to the temple a second time, that the disciples reacted about what had happened to the tree. 
Matthew records that Jesus was hungry, and as he was passing through, he saw a fig tree covered in leaves, but had no fruit. He said to the tree, May no fruit ever come from you again. The fig tree then withered at once. Jesus here is not cursing the tree in a fit of rage, but rather is symbolically acting to show the judgment coming upon Israel. In Hosea 9, the prophet compares Israel to a fruitful fig tree. Yet here, the fruitlessness of the tree is a symbol of the fruitlessness of Israel. They have not been faithful to their covenant with God. The religious leaders had distorted the temple practices and were unwilling to repent when Jesus arrived, showing himself to be the Messiah. Jesus came announcing the arrival of the kingdom of heaven, but because he was doing things in a way that the religious leaders didn't expect, they were unwilling to recognize him for who he truly is, and were instead hostile towards him, as we'll continue to see. As a result, Israel will be judged by God. When the disciples saw what happened to the tree, they marveled, asking how this had happened so quickly. Jesus tells them in response that if they have faith and do not doubt, they will not only be able to do what he had just done to the fig tree, but they would also be able to throw a mountain into the sea by their command. Jesus then states, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. This is an interesting passage that scholars are divided on what exactly it means. Some scholars say that Jesus is referring to the temple when he says the mountain, and that this is referring to what is going to happen to the temple as a result of God's judgment against the rebellious Israelites that are not recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Other scholars say that Jesus is merely pointing to the fact that God will give one the power to accomplish whatever he wills for them to do. Now, no one has ever literally moved a mountain that I know of, and it seems like a strange thing to request of God in the first place. Nonetheless, we draw from this passage that Jesus is instructing his disciples to trust in God's plans and God's ways. Okay, we'll stop here before we get into Jesus' debate with the religious leaders back at the temple. So we'll now look at some application based on what we've read so far. In this passage, we read of two instances where Jesus make things right for the benefit of the people around him. He first overturned the commercial activity going on in the outer courts of the temple when he saw that the religious authorities were taking advantage of the people coming there to make sacrifices and making it difficult for Gentiles to come and pray to God. Second, he healed the blind and lame because he saw their desire to worship God and made a way for them to do so. We see once again Jesus' compassion for all those who come to God, seeking to find Him. In this passage, Jesus removed the barriers that were hindering Gentiles and the blind and lame from worshiping God. While we have looked at what this passage means in its original context and how it fits into what Jesus is doing as the Messiah in His final days on earth, we can also recognize that this tells us something about the heart of God. He is in the business of clearing anything in our way that hinders us from seeking Him. If you have a heart that desires God, He will meet you where you are. He will reveal Himself to you. If you are genuinely seeking Him, He will make sure that you find Him. Oftentimes, the image we have of who God is becomes clouded by the misconceptions our society has about Him. 
If you are willing to look beyond who the world says that God is and dig in for yourself, you will find that He is greater than you had previously imagined, and He is inviting you to take part in this great story that He has unveiled to us so far. Today we continued our trek through Matthew chapter 21. We read of Jesus going into the temple and condemning the money changers, buyers, and sellers for what they were doing, which was likely taking advantage of the weak through dishonesty. We also read of Jesus healing the people in the temple and the children recognizing him as the Messiah, just as the people had done during the triumphal entry. Finally, we covered how Jesus cursed the fig tree and how this was symbolic for the coming judgment of Israel. In the next episode, we will come to Jesus' confrontation with the religious leaders within the temple. If you enjoyed this episode, you don't want to miss the next several as we get closer and closer to Jesus' death and resurrection. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from and check out baileylbrown.com for more Bible study resources. Until next time.